got the dog and him live from Abbott's Fur. Chris Faber. He's got the dog and him live from Abbott's Fur. It's Faber. It's Faber. 704 on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Uh, we are in hour two of the program. Before we get to Chris Faber, that's his intro music, in case you didn't put that together. Uh, Jason's going to tell you about Kintech. Well, we're coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. Really tight game between Canada and France at the 2023 FIBA World Cup. Uh, Canada now leading 32-31 late in the second quarter. They may have gotten the spark that they needed by that cheap, dirty play by Rudy Gobert. Elbowing BC boy Kelly Olynyk in the face. Now in FIBA, every it's basketball, but it's really different than the NBA. Like it's still the same sport, mm-hmm. but it looks a lot different. The ball's different, right? And uh, it's square. Yeah, it's tough to dribble with the edges. And the other thing is, you don't have flagrant fouls; you have unsportsmanlike fouls. Mm-hmm. So Rudy Gobert got tagged with an unsportsmanlike foul. Canada kind of had a little bit of a surge. They're now up one, and Shea Gilgis Alexander is finally starting to find. The, the actual net as opposed to the rim. So oh, that's, that's good. That's good. That's yeah, good. so things are, going, things are going a little bit better for Canada right now. At the in in all Cup. seriousness, like this is a big game for Canada. Huge. I, I, I know it's like group play or whatever, but like they, they really could use this win over France. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like you, They're on a collision course if they don't win to, with Spain in the this next round. Yeah. Right? So you want to try and, one, avoid that, and two, just win your group and get as many of these victories as you can under your belt. So Canada up 32-31 yeah. right it's, now. It's weird how the, the record carries into the next round. The whole tournament is The whole, the bizarre. whole tournament's bizarre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even how Canada qualifies uh, for the Olympics. Like, they're in a competition within the competition with the other teams from the Americas, It's right? like a really convoluted board game where someone <laughs> needs to explain the rules to you repeatedly. It's like Settlers of Catan, but basketball. Yeah. I just, I'm like, I don't... And at the end of it, you're like... Two one. Yeah, does Canada have to build its own country at some point? It's very confusing. Anyway, let's go to the phone lines now. Uh, our good buddy Chris Faber from Canucks Army and Canucks Conversation joins us now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet six fifty. What up, Fabes? Uh doing pretty good, guys. Uh, actually, wide awake this morning, so that's a good thing at seven a.m. That is good. Uh, I have bad news though. You've been usurped as the pride of Nanaimo. Are you aware of this? Uh, I, yeah, I've heard you guys talk about the uh, my buddy, the hammer tosser over there. He's he's cool, dude. Ethan Katzberg, do you guys actually? I, f- I assume everyone in Nanaimo knows one another. So even though he's only twenty one, do you actually like? I'm not joking. Do you have you heard of him before this? <laughs> uh, no, but I have like uh, all the Facebook friends and Instagram friends that are that were like the track kids, uh, the track and right. field kids who uh, you know all the skinny tall guys. They they all know this guy. They're all like, "Oh, like I raised him since he was 5 years old. It's nice to see him like getting all this stuff cuz they're all my age, like 30 years old, and I guess he's 21, 22, like he's pretty young this kid." Uh, but yeah, all of them are like posting photos of them when they're like 15 and he's like 9. So I'm like, "This guy must have been like quite a big deal, I guess, on the track and field scene." Uh, I think the problem was the track and field scene just wasn't quite a big deal. you don't say you don't say okay uh uh, fabes i want to get your thoughts just uh, wide open 
thoughts on Elias Pettersson and the fact that um, he doesn't sound like he's going to sign a contract before the season, doesn't even sound like he's going to sign a contract during the season. Um, they're going to take a wait-and-see approach and talk about things at the end of the year. Yep, uh, I'm sure we'll talk about a lot of things at the start of the year with him as well. I think that's just the the, the scenario that we're in right now, and that's how it's going to be. Uh, there's obviously going to be a lot of questions asked of Elias Pettersson. It's too bad, but that's just the way it's going to be at training camp. It's it's a question that needs to be asked. It's our job. It's the media to kind of you know break down some things, approach it with different questions, and, and try and get more information on the situation from Elias Pettersson. So I, I think he's going to probably stay saying the same. I, I didn't think that the quote, the other day that Friedman dropped it like midnight or whatever that was like it's doesn't really change much it doesn't surprise me it's just interesting I guess to actually hear the words come out of his mouth about it but it's not really a surprise I'm not shocked to hear that he's gonna want to wait the season out and see where it goes from there because what what has Vancouver proven to him that they're doing things in the right direction right like they haven't they haven't really given him a real good reason to want to stick around yet it's it's gonna have to come from another year in this coming season here and it's just another piece of pressure being added to this team for the season and especially the start that they're going to have to have. Yeah, is I mean is it it's now it's not it's not just uh media guys trying to create a story by saying like Elias Pettersson's future in Vancouver is tied to how the Canucks perform this season. 100%, right? And I think it was interesting that the Austin Matthews deal came down like the next day right because that's another piece of the puzzle I think here um, with whether it's a four-year deal an eight-year deal how much money Patterson's going to make and all that is is something that needs to come into account as well but the big thing for me is like this this team has to win this team has to show that they're on the right direction of winning and it's not even like they need to go like I was just talking about this the other day and I think you look at like what's the expectation of winning in Edmonton right like they want to win a Stanley Cup yep. they got two of the best players in the world the Vancouver Canucks ex- expectation for winning is just getting to the playoffs. So it's not like there's a very high bar. Uh, I think if you do get to the playoffs next season, like that's going to help you convince Elias Pettersson that, yes, this is the spot that you want to be for hopefully the next eight years. I think that's what a lot of us want to see with this next contract. And uh, yeah, like uh, at least the bar is not too high for winning. They only really need to get into the playoffs to make it kind of like a, an impressive year, I guess, from the expectations because expectations just haven't been met the last few years. So it's, I, it's a low bar. Fabes, I, I honestly wonder if the bar is even lower. Like this season has to be not a disaster. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. they, they they just have they just have to have a normal season. You know, totally. J- I think JT Miller called huge. it a you know what show last season. How about if it's not that? You know, and there are there are you know that maybe they don't make the playoffs, but they just act like a normal team. That might be enough to keep. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not even joking. Like that might be enough to keep PD in town. Yeah, I think um, like no distractions has to be such a a thing that all of these players want more specifically the star players right like they don't want anything to be distracting them from from trying to push this team to the next level and yeah I, I think that's that has to just be like a standard expectation from an athlete and specifically a guy in Elias Pettersson's case where there's arguments all the time for him being a top five player in this league top 10 player in this league whatever it may be you don't want to be putting these things on this guy's back to make him carry even more. Like he's already carrying the team on the ice. Mm-hmm. You don't want him in the media having to answer for questions or, or the coaching situation. What's going on there? Like it, it, there's been so many bad distractions for this team over the past couple of years here that 
this is almost like on management and the coaching staff. It's like, hey, you guys got all your guys. You've been able to make some changes to the roster now. The coach that you want is now the guy behind the bench. There's no excuses to have distractions from this team. And the organization can't put their players in that type of position for training camp. They cannot make mistakes on their way up to training camp here because it's just a distraction these guys don't need. Doesn't it make you super pumped, excited, maybe a little bit nervous for the start of the season, though? Like, this is going to be awesome. This is going to this is going to feel like a playoff series, these first five or ten <laughs> games. I'm not even joking. Yeah, and it's it's like it's not like they have an easy start. They're not rolling down to play Arizona and uh, and then roll through like San Jose. Like, it's Edmonton, Edmonton, Nashville off the top as well. Like, that's a 50-50 toss-up game. Like, I, I think there's there's it's not an easy pass so it's gonna have to prove something and I think it, it starts with those two games against Edmonton where you're playing against a team who we just talked about was like their you know their intentions for this season are to compete for a Stanley Cup so if mm-hmm. the Canucks can come out and and beat them twice great start but man two losses to the Oilers to start the season is also very possible and that wouldn't be the way that this team wants to get off uh, off to the next season here with all the pressure that's on them. yeah it's really interesting to hear the talk in Edmonton and in my opinion, at least, they've they've become the clear favorites to win the Stanley Cup among the Canadian teams. So it was the Leafs for a while. I think it's Edmonton now. And a lot of that is just based on, uh, first of all, how far they've gone in the playoffs compared to the Leafs and also some of the issues that the Leafs have. I do not like the Leafs' defense. But it's it's it, they felt that that series against Vegas, they should have won. And maybe you're feeling that that's a little disrespectful to Vegas because Vegas is a really good team and they went on to win the Stanley Cup. But the expectations in Edmonton are really high. And they ended the season on a very, very low note. Like, they were furious. They were a little shell-shocked that they were like, wait a minute, did we just lose to Vegas here? I thought, Like, I thought we were going to win the Cup. So I'll be extremely curious to not only see how the Canucks come out in those first two games, like Edmonton is going to be playing with some passion and that's going to make it even tougher for the Canucks. Big time, right? That's the other thing. Their expectations are so much higher that they're also coming out and they're seeing Vancouver for the first two games and they're like, all right, two dubs right off the top. Like, let's go. It's, you know, McDavid point night, right? Like that's what it's always been like against the Vancouver Canucks, it feels like with him. So yeah, I think that's, this is almost... I, I mean, I guess it's almost a good thing for the Canucks to have that type of matchup to start the season because it is going to really challenge them. You're getting the best player in the world back-to-back games to start the year. So at least that's good motivation on top of everything. It is it is setting up, like you said, like it, it, there's a lot to, to happen to this Vancouver Canucks team at the start of the season, and it's going to tell you, I, like, I really think the whole season starts in the first 12 games of the year. After that, whatever happens, happens. That's if Pedersen's signing or not. Whatever happens after 12 games, if they're – you know, three and three, eight and one, like I, I'd start to get worried a little bit at that point. Do you like what the the Canucks have done this off season? Yeah, they've definitely addressed the penalty kill, right? That's something that if they had a league average penalty kill, they're probably pushing towards being a playoff team a lot easier, like even last year. So uh, I, I think they went out and they, they addressed that. They got a lot of different players that can play that position, can help the team. Ilya Mikheyev is going to be back. At least they're addressing things that really needed help. I, I also think that one of the, the big things I thought this organization needed was a defense partner for Quinn Hughes. And I, I always said it was going to be very difficult to find that in free agency. The best way was to draft one. And yeah, maybe maybe they reached a little bit on Tom Willander, right? I, I don't think he was on, you know, at 11 on everybody's board, but 
to to the Vancouver Canucks. Clearly, he was at least higher than 11 on their list. And they went out there and drafted a guy who they project to be Quinn Hughes' partner. I think that's a great move in the right direction. Um, honestly, like from just grading the team's offseason moves here, I, I'd give Patrick Alvin like an A or an A minus with the work that he's done here. I mean, I think the only other thing you could ask for is maybe getting rid of that Tyler Myers money or whatever, having to deal with Tanner Pearson's money or something like that. Mm-hmm. But uh, those are the only things I really think you could look at and be like, ah, it's really nice if they would have got this done. Like, I, I don't think there's many things that you can miss. I was surprised when they bought out OEL. I thought, I, I thought that was too much of a difficult ask from from watching how he played last year on the ice. Like, you cannot bring that guy back yeah. onto to this team, especially at that money. So I understand the bio, and I think it, it was a it was a ballsy move to to pull that off. And I, I honestly think the offseason was pretty damn good, but. Not not quite A plus, but it's close. Uh, Fabes, we had Kyle Burroughs on the show. Uh, was that yesterday or the day before? Wednesday. Wednesday, and um, we chatted with Kyle Burroughs. Really nice guy. Um, you know, said he really loved playing for the Canucks, his hometown team. But you know, he got an opportunity in San Jose or a contract offer in San Jose that he couldn't really turn down. It was for three years. Gives him security in the league, something he's never had before. But I think that chat with Kyle Burroughs kind of only reinforced my big question about this Canucks team is, are they gritty enough? Are they hard enough to play against? And you're the guy that has the dog ratings. Like if you're looking at this roster right now, who is the early season favorite to lead the dog ratings? Yeah, Kyle Burroughs was, uh, I think, number one last year, aside from, I think Curtis Lazar was up there, but from the back end, at least anyways, it was Luke Shen, number one, and Kyle Burroughs, number two. Both those defensemen are gone, so I think you're going to need at least some of the defensemen coming in to make an impact in that way, and Carson Soucy had a half-decent dog rating, like he was above average. Uh, He's going to be able to contribute, obviously, in that way. Uh, I think you're asking a lot more of Dakota Joshua now in a bottom six role, and he's going to have to to crank it up again i mean he had you know 222 hits last year or something like that so that's great and i think there are certain games where you could see that he was using his physicality to dominate and i don't think you saw that consistently but that's something that and i think i've mentioned this with you guys in the past like i I can see the type of motivation coming from rick tockett to be perfect for a guy like dakota joshua maybe Ilya mikhaev jt miller we've already seen it but like these type of players that you almost need them to be just a little bit more engaged consistently. And if they're able to do that, they're going to take a huge step in how they contribute to an NHL team. I, I like that for, for a situation with Joshua, having to do that to Rick Tockett, because there's there's a lot of options in the bottom six, specifically on the wings. And if Joshua is not able to consistently bring what they want, there's gonna try, they're going to try somebody else. Like They have some other options uh, to do that. I, I think for dog rating, like I want to see Pod Coles and do a lot better. Uh, he didn't have a very good number last year, and I think he, his is the one that you want to watch him get hits, you want to watch him create offense, you want to see him be a better teammate for his guys, and that's what the dog rating takes into account. So uh, they, they have to have some guys step up if they're going to be tough enough. We just didn't see enough from the roster that's returning, I think, physically to be you know, feeling like it's going to be something that we see on a consistent basis. Fabes, great stuff today. Wait, 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 wait. I do have one more thing I need to ask Faber, though. Okay, So in mm-hmm. addition to being at one time the pride in Nanaimo and also the creator of the dog ratings. There's lots of things that Faber is known for. Mm-hmm. This one I didn't realize, uh, karaoke enthusiast. You, you like the mm-hmm. karaoke. Now, the dogs were telling me, this is a bit of a turn. I did not realize this. 
What's the song that you're either currently hammering out the best, or that you're, what's Work, your go-to? Working on. What's your go-to right wow. now? Yeah, right now it's uh, definitely some Creed. Um, my go-to always is "Hero" by Enrique Iglesias. Uh, that's my number one, far and away. But I didn't have that I've on my bingo. Card. Those are similar. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but lately, like "Higher" by Creed, maybe "Hold Me Now." Uh, by Creed, a couple of really just all the ones that they played at the uh, Thanksgiving halftime show in 1998. Like I'll One do that best. whole album. I, yeah, I think it's I think it is by far the best. Like I know that uh, you know Prince was really good at halftime or at Super Bowl, but not everyone <laughs> talks about Creed's performance on Thanksgiving at Dallas Cowboys Stadium. So, You're right. Uh, Have you karaoke kind of the Faber theme song yet? Uh, not yet. No, I haven't. Uh, I don't know. Like maybe, maybe we need like an actual. We need to build on more than just a chorus. I think for to do to do a whole karaoke so, song. Th- there's there there are there plans underway for a Canucks media karaoke night. There is. There okay. absolutely is. Okay. Uh, before the season gets going here, get everyone together, and uh, I know that uh, like. I, I, I'm going to this, and it's going to be nice to to have some fun with uh, whoever shows up from the mm. media to this event. It's going to be great, but I'm I'm also there to win. Like I'm also there to be the best singer, and I know Daniel Wagner is going to be coming. Yeah, well, he, I'm coming too. Sing. So so you you better be careful and get the Gordon Lightfoot ready because I'm <laughs> oh, going. I I I uh, if you could read my mind now, I will <laughs> I will dominate that song, and you, you guys will be doing all your loud songs, and mm. I'm going to bring a hush. To that okay. crowd, and I'm going to bring tears. And I picture. Um, oh, they'll be tears, Alfred all right? Being a sh- <laughs> They'll be tears. I, I see Halford being like a shaggy guy for some reason. Like <laughs> I, I think you can like do the the little the spit in the chorus real quick. You know, little Alfred's going to freestyle. Kind of music. <laughs> oh, there's so much potential here. I can't wait for the video to leak <laughs> online. Okay, Fabes, thanks for doing this, bud. We appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Yeah, you bet you guys have a good one. Thanks. That's uh, Chris Faber from Canucks Army and Canucks Conversation here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Okay, in about 10 minutes, uh, Manny Viveros, the new new Vancouver Giants head coach, is going to join us. Uh, We'll talk to him about his story, which includes battling cancer uh, recently. So we'll talk to him about that, but also um, his coaching philosophy. it is Ask Us Anything Friday on the Halford and Bruff Show. And I do have one that I want people to not take too seriously. Alistair, the graveyard bakery worker, right. sent in an Ask Us Anything at 352. He really is the graveyard bakery worker. Oh, oh, graveyard shift. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not like a bakery. In a graveyard. That was what I thought it was. You this A-dog? bread is made of, well, never mind. Ask us anything. Is there any part of you that thinks it would be hilarious if the Canucks got off to another brutal start, or is it just going to be full-blown misery? Um, I, I can't see the humor in it, so I, it would not be funny. Not even Gallo's humor. Not even. It would it be, be both at the same time? No, no, no. I'd be, cr- on, I'd be crying no. and laughing. There would be one percent. I'd be or even super more pissed off. So, so, so you don't think this show would have any laughs if the Canucks once again, like if we can laugh I'm at the about Leafs, it thinking about it right now. <laughs> like if we can laugh at the Leafs, if we can laugh at the Leafs for like continually going out in the first round of the playoffs, and I'm sure there were some Leafs fans that like, well. The other, like, if I can't laugh, then the other alternative is to cry or be super angry. Like, it's only hockey, right? It's only, it's only sports. It, 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 at the end of the day, it, like, really doesn't matter. Like, so you're just going to go 100% 
pissed off. Yeah, I'm gonna be pissed. Hundred percent. I like cannot... you, a guy that barely takes life seriously. That that is a good point. That's a valid point. Here's the, with the Le- laughing at the leaves. Can like you part imagine of- if the Canucks went into the season and get thumped by Edmonton in those first two games, and then they're on this road trip, and it's just like they they keep losing. They're like, I don't want to go home. I don't want to go back to Rogers Arena. Everyone's going to be so mad. Yeah, they like, got come on, there's an element. Right there's now. an element of humor. No, hundred percent anger. <laughs> 100% a pure, unbridled anger. My rage is untethered, and it knows no, but I'd be, I'd be very, very, very pissed off. You know why? Because for the second consecutive year, and what feels like maybe the third or fourth or fifth, everything would be pointless beyond November. It would make our job a lot harder. I, that like, makes it, me like, mad right it, away. In the, uh, in the interim, like while it was happening, it would be like, okay, we're going to have really interesting shows, but it's bad for business. It's bad for our business. And actually, kind of to continue on my rant from yesterday about people, you know, acting like Canucks fans or lunatics or whatever, like, I don't know why you would, um, if you're a media guy, especially in the market, I don't know why you'd have an issue with a passionate fan base, although some negatives come with a really passionate fan base in in that sometimes the idiots are empowered by that. But, like, that's good for business. Right. Absolutely. That means that people are listening to radio shows, they're listening to podcasts, they're reading articles because they're pat they want to know everything about the team. My worry is that eventually indifference sets in. Yeah, that'd be my my, my concern. Right? Like there the people would just be like, you know what? Uh just like I'm not saying I'll never be a Canucks fan again, but I just don't want to do this anymore. Well, you got, I mean, you're going to go gonna turn this team over. Right? If you go too long, you're going to have not necessarily a generation, but a swath of fans that don't know what it's like to follow a winning team, a good team, a compelling team. Mm-hmm. Are the Canucks compelling? Yeah, but only because we were previously invested. You know, I was to be I, if I started carte blanche, I probably wouldn't look at everything that's gone on over the last few years of this team and be like, "Ooh, there's one I want to follow." Yeah, it's been a night. I mean, what it. JT Miller called it a blank show. I wish we could just swear. It makes yeah, things yeah, yeah. so much easier. And then just bleep it out after the fact. John but Schneider did it. John Schneider swore. But he's got more job security than I do. Uh, Does he? Manny, uh, Manny Viveros is going to join us next. He's the new Vancouver Giants head coach. Very much looking forward to this interview. Uh, you're listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The People's Show. Your home for Vancouver summer sports talk. Subscribe to the podcast now. on a Friday. Happy Friday, everybody. Dylan Brooks for three. I'm alternately doing a live radio show while watching Canada and France at the 2023 FIBA World Cup. First game for both in the tournament. Maybe the most hyped game of the preliminary round. Canada went into the break up 43-40. And as I mentioned, Dylan Brooks just hit a three. So it's 46-40 Canada. By the way, so there, I, I mentioned there's all these different rules in FIBA basketball. Mm-hmm. One of the big ones that I forgot about is the goaltending rule is way different. You're actually allowed to swap the ball off the rim if you want. 
So, oh, okay, and that would be interference. No, no, you're allowed. Yeah, it would be, it'd be goal. It would be goaltending in the NBA. Right. In FIBA, it's allowed. So at the end of the half, Evan Fournier, who's been lighting up the Canadians, uh, took a long three at the buzzer. And it hit the rim and then bounced up, and it looked like it was going to drop in. So if it's in the cylinder, you, you can, can just you can we just... Need to snap it out of there. Oh, it's a cool rule. I like it. But it was funny because all the a couple of French players started freaking out. They're like, "Allez, goaltending!" I think that's what they said. And they was like, "No, no, no! They're allowed to do that." Canada just. I think they would say, uh, "Arrête, stop." See, I don't even know. Yeah, yeah. but that's fine. Guardian that's, de they, net. And, and, they, and then they said, "Uh." LLZ, and they went to the dressing room. Zut allures, as I understand it. Okay, uh, so anyway, Canada's now up 48-40 uh, on the Frenchman at the 2023 FIBA World Cup. I've mentioned it a couple times. We'll keep tabs on it. Because Sportsnet is the rights holder and the broadcast partner, if there's a really good finish or something, we will cut to it live here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. But to the phone lines we go now. Uh, yesterday he was introduced as the new head coach of the Vancouver Giants. He joins us now, Manny Viveros, here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Manny. How are you? Morning, guys. Uh, doing really well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on and taking the time to do this. We really appreciate it. Um, let's just start with the most basic and easy question out there. Uh, why the Vancouver Giants and why this job for you, Manny? Well, uh, you know, from hockey-wise, uh, you know, it, it was it was basically a no-brainer. Uh, you know, with Ron Toigo, uh, son Peter, and uh, Barkley Parnetta in the organization here. I've You know, I've been in the Western League before and uh, also been in the American League, and, and you get to know... Uh, you know, organizations that are, are you know, uh, you know, really good organizations within the WHL. And I feel, I said that yesterday, they firmly believe it. It's been like that for a long time, that this franchise is one of the premier franchises in all of the CHL. And uh, have an opportunity to work with uh, Ron and Pete and, and, and Barkley uh, is a great opportunity here. Like they, the resources that they provide for these young players to develop uh, as, as young young athletes and, and even more so how they help these uh, young athletes become uh, really, really good people off the ice is, is something I uh, really enjoy being part of. And it's something for me is really uh, intriguing to come here. And obviously it's a, my first time in this area uh, in Vancouver area, the Tawasin area, and it's absolutely, absolutely gorgeous. So that's, it, it was, that's a pretty easy decision on my part. Uh, Manny, I want you to brag about yourself a little bit right now. What makes you, what makes it like, I know you already got the job, but like pretend you're in the interview right now. Like what makes you such a good hockey coach? Oh, geez. I, I, um, I actually probably don't think I am. Uh, I think that's what probably what drives me. Uh, I, you know, I want to get better and better and improve as much as possible. Um, like I said, I've had, I've been lucky enough and fortunate enough to be part of some really good organizations and surrounding myself with some really good people. And I think one of the things that I, I do is, is for me is important is that I always surround myself with people who are a lot smarter than me and that makes me look good in the end. So that's something, uh, it's not very hard to do, but I've always had the fortune to have really good staff here, whether it's at the junior level, the American league level, or even involved at the NHL level here. And that's something, um, you know, I just strive for, I don't think, uh, uh, this job, the way the game is, you got to stay current, and and uh, there's always something you can do to improve. And I'm certainly not satisfied as far as how I am as as far as a coach. I always want to get better, and ultimately get back to the National Hockey League at some time. Uh, Manny, how is your health? Good. No, it's good. It, it, it's really good. Um, 
It's something uh, I certainly have no uh, problem talking about. It's something I think is really important. If uh, if I can even help someone, uh, or who you know, everybody knows someone who's, who's going through cancer and how it affects people and their affects more importantly their families. If I can help anybody any any certain way, I'd certainly love to always uh, use this platform in some way to be in a positive way. I'm good. I've uh, it, it took a little while, I think, uh, Ron and Barkley for having the patience for me to. Uh, make my decision. I wanted to make sure uh, I just going through another routine checkup uh, after uh, you know the battle that I was going through that everything was okay again. And then I just just recently last week again I had another checkup. The doctor says you're fine. You go ahead and uh, you're we don't have to worry about anything. And just we're gonna stay on top of it. That's the most important thing now that we stay on top of it. And if anything ever comes up again, which no one thinks it will, that we're on top of it and we can jump on it right away. And uh, um, and more importantly, uh, you know, mental health-wise, it's a lot of things that people don't understand. When you're going through cancer, it's not just a physical part of it, but it's the mental uh, strain that that really uh, is hard on, on the person that's going through it, and even more so on the family members. And uh, we're in a good place. Uh, this decision was a, a family decision. Um, you know, my kids are all growing up and that, but it's something that's really important to everybody, especially, you know, my stage of life here is, uh, you know, you, you want to be around your family as much as possible, and everybody is really good about this so you got to do what you got to do well and uh i do do what i love as coaching that that is great to hear that uh things are going well for you now and the doctors are uh optimistic uh that you can get back to work um tell us a bit about your hockey career because you've had a pretty interesting hockey career player and coach well, yeah, my God, it's about, uh, I played back in the Western League about 150 years ago. It's been a long time. Uh, I, you know, I came into this league as a 16-year-old with the Prince Albert Raiders in the early 80s. And uh, I had a four-year career with the Prince Albert Raiders where we were fortunate enough to win uh, a Memorial Cup as a player. Uh, then I went on to uh, turn pro with the Minnesota North Stars and then eventually also in the Hartford uh, Waiters organization where I was, had the Again, a privilege to be part of an American Hockey League championship team as a player. And then I took my career over to Europe, and uh, my wife and I uh, went over for one year uh, to see how it was as a player, and I ended up spending close to 25 years over there as a player and and eventually as a coach. And um, it's something that, uh, you know, it's been, it's, it's, we've been so blessed. Hockey's given us everything in my family. Mm. Uh, I still have a son that plays over. Uh, in Austria, uh, he's been there for about seven years. He used to be an ex uh, WHL with Portland Winterhawks, and uh, our career our career pass took us back here to Canada. And we said, let's come back and see if we can, you know, uh, see if we can get our foot in the door. And I was fortunate enough to come back and get a job in Swift Current, and uh, we've been here ever since. We're I think going on like seven seasons now back in North America as, as a coach, and uh, it's been. Uh, it's been a wonderful, wonderful ride. Uh, I, I don't know if you ask my wife, she might be saying a little bit different because we're all over the place, but for the most part, it's, <laughs> we've made some great friends and a great experiences over the time. God, I'm looking at that uh, one of those Prince Albert teams that you played for. You had Dave Manson <laughs> and Ken Baumgartner on that team. God, how much has the dub yeah. changed since you were playing in it? Well, you know, at that time when I played, I think I was five ten and a half and 150 pounds soaking wet. And I played with both those guys. And not only were those guys as tough as they came, they were really good hockey players. So I went from five ten to about six three every time I played with them. So that they, they really made me feel a lot bigger and safe, that's for sure. And, and the game, it certainly had the game has changes. And and then you have to say for the better. It certainly had uh, the game, the way the game has evolved, and the skill level of these kids now, how big, how fast they are, and how skilled they are is amazing. 
Uh, you mentioned your time in Austria. I didn't realize that you had spent so much time there and at a stage where it was probably uh, a, a fledgling hockey nation in terms of producing NHL players. And that's certainly changed over the last decade or so. Um, you know, having coached at the club level and the national teams, how much growth has there been in terms of Austria as a hockey nation? Well, you know what, silently, that, that country has always had really good players. I remember going over, coming out of the American Hockey League, and I think this was going to be pretty easy. And I was so uh, surprised at how good the level was. But at that time, there wasn't a whole lot of scouting. There was scout, uh, uh, in Europe, but, but Austria was overlooked. So eventually, when the national program got onto the international stage, uh, then the you know scouts just started to realize that some of these players that were over there were you know incredible players. You know Thomas Vanek, Michael Raffle. Uh, you just uh, list goes on Michael Grabner. The list keeps going going on. Casper, uh, and uh, so it's a it's a country where a lot of uh, you know taking notice from the, in the NHL world, and they're getting some really good players out of there. And that league is a really really good league. Here. It's a professional league over there. Uh, where they do have a certain amount of players, only a certain amount of imports they're allowed to have. And so they're trying to develop the majority of their home players. And that's something I think uh, they're playing against some of the best competitions that they can. And that's why you've seen some of these players uh, end up in the National Hockey League. Hey, Manny, I want you to help us out with a debate we were having uh, on our show and with the listeners. Um, is it important for a hockey team to have an identity? Uh, absolutely, I certainly do. I think that the cultural identity of a, of a team is is something that's so important here. Um, if you look at some of the teams, some of the best teams in the National Hockey League, they all have an identity. If you mention the Vegas Golden Knights, you know they have an identity. The Carolina Hurricanes, they have an identity, and I think that's something that uh, you know obviously starts with, at the top, and that's something uh, also for me coming in here, uh, knowing how the Vancouver Giants are as an organization and how they play. Uh, that's something that I want to continue to. To, to uh, if I can in any way improve, but also you know continue to sustain what they built up over uh, so many years here. I mean, Michael Dick and uh, Adam Magnus have done a wonderful job with these young players, especially last year. Developed these young players, and and we're hoping these kids can can uh, you know take that next step this season and then continue to improve over the next couple of years. And uh, but a cultural identity is something. Uh, is, is so important. Uh, if you just ask, it doesn't matter what sport it is, uh, alumni, uh, teams that have been successful, that's one thing we always talk about is the culture and the identity of the club, and that's something that is uh, is ingrained in, in, in a lot of championship teams. So what was Vegas's, like if you could describe Vegas's identity, what was it, and you were the head coach of the, their AHL team in, in Henderson, like how would that apply organization-wide? How would you as a head coach use your team's identity to help the team? Well, I, I think one, it, it kind of changed in the, the time that I was able to see the styles of the coaches a little bit when I was with Pete DeBoer and then also with uh, Bruce Cassidy. Pete's system was a little bit more open and, and, and free-willing and really aggressive where uh, Bruce Cassidy's, for instance, defense is all coverage a little bit different, but it's a lot more contained to keep everything to the outside and protect the middle of the area. And uh, But one thing, though, I think Vegas did a heck of a job was over the last year is how they ingrained how, how heavy that team was. They always thought and that, you know, going into the playoffs that they were a little bit light. 
um, and not heavy enough. And they certainly you know, made the right moves last year to get heavy. And especially if you look at the back end there, uh, their, their defense is uh, by far the best in the National Hockey League, how they're big, they're mobile, and they're very heavy also too. So that's something that, you know, it's a staple that they were working to do and it certainly paid off by winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, Manny, we want to, one, thank you for taking the time to do this today. Two, congratulate you on the gig with the Giants. And three, uh, wish you the best of luck and continued good health moving forward. Thanks a lot for doing this today. Gentlemen, thanks so much. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. That's Manny Viveros, the new head coach of the Vancouver Giants here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. we got to get him on the show more just to talk hockey. Yeah, he's been everywhere yeah. in the hockey world. Like He's coached it. I I mean, the European thing was one thing, but yeah, he did the dub, the American League. He was an assistant coach uh, with the Edmonton Oilers there for a while. So yeah, we'll get him on the show. He's a good mm-hmm. guy. Um, My question about identity was was partly like revenge, right? Because I saw some people discussing our discussion on identity, and I think that was maybe with Dodd. Yeah, um, your, your we, best like, friend, Jamie yeah, Dodd. Yeah, he's yeah. such a good guy, such a pro. Right. Um, and we were having the conversation about the Canucks' identity and like what. Is it? And I think the conclusion was they don't have one. Do they need one? What could it possibly be? Mm-hmm. And then I saw some blowback to the discussion, people being like, this is just like sports radio guys just trying to come up with stuff. Like teams don't, you don't need an identity. Like that's cliche stuff. Okay. And I'm like, I bet if you ask 100 hockey coaches, is it important for a team to have an identity? They're like, yes. Yeah. It is because those are things that you can just keep hammering into the players heads like this is the way we play it can change like he said like when the head coach of vegas changed from pete DeBoer to bruce cassidy the identity changed a little bit and it was in two forms right they were like okay first of all the way we play defensive zone coverage was something that they really emphasized so they're like you know when you play for vegas you take care of things in your own end right And then from a personnel style, they also changed it a little bit. They were like, okay, listen, we need to get a little heavier, so we're going to bring in some big defensemen. And how often have we seen that in the NHL in the last little while? Like the team that wins the Stanley Cup, you're like, man, look at their defense. They're big. Right. I mean, I get the – I think the pushback would be like, you can't just be one thing. And I'm sure a lot of the coaches would say, like, yeah, you want to have your core principles of what you are. But you also want to be adaptable because if you don't, course, if you don't, if you don't course, win, of course, you have to change it. It was funny. I was listening to, of all things, a Peter Laviolette presser when he was uh, anointed the head coach of the New York Rangers, and someone it was actually a fairly good question by media standards. It wasn't like talk about hockey. The guy said, "Do you come in with a set of principles that you're going to stick by and an identity and how you want to play the game, or do you look at your roster mm-hmm. and adapt to the players that you have?" And it's a good question because. Sometimes and coaches, some coaches will do it differently, right? Like sure. some coaches, you know what they bring. Other coaches are a little open-ended. What was the, what was the answer? I said, like, I have certain ideas that I'm not going to change about how I think the game should be played. However, you're not going to do the square peg round hole, round peg square hole mm-hmm. thing where you're trying to make um, like a, a team that's maybe exceptionally skillful into a really hard team. What right. you're going to do right. is yeah, you're yeah. going to say, we need to be a little bit more well-rounded and we need to be a little bit more physical, but at the core of our team, we're going to be a team that either wants to possess the puck or score a lot of goals or whatever. But, but it can be things like uh, Kevin Bieksa was saying, like the identity of the team that he was on in Vancouver, mm-hmm. its identity was based on the fact that, or one, one part of its identity was like, 
we're in unbelievable shape. And that was led by Henrik Sedin and Daniel Sedin because they were in such good shape. And it is very difficult to talk to you right now because you're distracted by Canada. I was going to say. Canada you know blowing what, out France right now. You know what Canada basketball's identity is? Killing the French. <laughs> 68-48. Canada Sacre is bleu, another three. It's unbelievable. So what, wasn't going, one of the big trois. big questions about Canada was like their outside <laughs> shooting? Well, yeah. Uh, the biggest story right now, though, is that France went into halftime with 40 points. France now has 48 points. Right. So France has just scored eight points in a quarter. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think... This is in Big Ten basketball, so that's <laughs> yeah. actually bad. <laughs> this is terrible. This is yeah. a for, for, for Wisconsin, great. If this was against Purdue, they'd be fine. But <laughs> eight points. So I don't know if that's – I mean, I, again, I, I, have, I was watching the game, but I was also paying attention to Manny and less so to you with your rambling about I don't even know what. But um, eight, <laughs> eight points in a quarter. Now, FIBA basketball is much more, more low scoring than the NBA, in part because they're only 10-minute quarters, and the right. game kind of gets bogged down a little bit. There's not a lot of foul calls. Everyone's confused one. by the ball. You're allowed to goal – you're just allowed to take the ball out of the basket sometimes, <laughs> right out of the peach basket, and you take the points away. That's not true. Um, but this is a great – Great result for Canada. The biggest story of that third quarter, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who was got off to a really bad start in this mm-hmm. game, has completely taken over the game. He only needs a handful more assists, and he'll have a triple-double. He's got 20-plus points. He's got the rebounds already. So this is great. I'm really stoked because I really want this to work for Canada basketball. I want them to get to the Olympics so badly. Well, I, want I was to- actually thinking about the Summer Olympics, okay. and I'm kind of like... You know, the women's soccer was a big deal. Um, I, of course, make time to watch the 100 meter, right? Like, who's the fastest man in the world, fastest yep. woman in the world, whatever, right? Like, that's that's big. Outside of that, though, I'm like, I don't really care about the Summer Olympics. I don't. I, I don't. like. But yeah. if Canada basketball was in it, right. and let's say they had a game against the Americans, that's appointment TV for me. Absolutely. What else is like? I don't watch swimming. I'm like, you, you guys are going too slow, right? Like, okay. So like that, swimming for me is the like I can't watch it. And track and field. Now, obviously, I'm going to be watching the hammer toss every every moment I can get it. But for me, track and field has never been something that I've been like, oh, I'm going to sit down and definitely watch the marathon. The hammer whatever, throw right? is like, definitely elevated to must watch television. That's a sentence I never thought I'd and, say out loud. But here we are. But don't you think if Canada if, if Canada, Canada went, makes, it would be the marquee attraction? Yeah. Right, because it would the, make, it in would the make, previous uh, Summer Olympics, it was women's soccer. Mm-hmm. Right, that was the premier attraction. Well, the men's team hasn't been in the Olympics since two thousand. Yeah, Steve Nash was on that's, the team that's, back then. That's insane. Yeah. First of all, and Todd McCullough. But second of all, yeah, Husky, Winnipeg yeah. guy, Winnipeg guy. Yeah, right? he was yeah, on. Yeah. I mean, he was never in the best of shape. But there's a picture. No. I think it's an unfortunate angle too. <laughs> but when it's like the picture of the two thousand. Men's Olympic team, and there's Steve Nash, and he back then he had like the the shaggy hair, and he was so young, and yeah, but he was also like really skinny and fit. And then there's Todd McCullough, and it's like he's also on the team. Are you way into the Summer Olympics more than I am? No, but when they're on, I get in. It's it's very typical. They're, when they're on, I, I get like into sports. Yeah, well, I I'm, I start. I'm like ooh fencing. I get into sports that <laughs> I would never otherwise never watch. Right? Yeah, so, I don't. I'm kind of like I'm I like really I'm like I know what I like, and I don't like this i just it's it's one of those things like if it's on i'll watch it yeah the, you the put Olympics a tv in front like, of halford he's just like oh, no no no, no but we, it goes back to it's our sports. Earlier... Look at all those moving objects yeah, yeah this is great 
All right, both of you are stupid. Um, <laughs> it goes back to our old conversation, actually, when we were talking about streaming, is that one of the things that I will miss about cable and old-school television watching is finding something that's just on and watching it, like flipping through the, the guide and watching it that I would never otherwise choose from a menu. It's presented to me almost like an old-school food buffet where I'm like, it's there. Yeah. I'm going to try it. Like yeah. I, the joy of painting. How I watched that's countless actually, episodes. That's also how it. you learn a lot, right? You like you come across out of something. I remember as a kid flipping across sports that I didn't know anything about. And that was actually, that's one of the things I really miss about being a kid. Like, like finding out all this stuff you have to learn about sports to know about sports. See, a lot of it. My life now. <laughs> yeah. Like what <laughs> Andy's going through right now. He's like. What is holding in the NFL? Yeah. Oh. What is pass interference anyway? Uh, but you have to learn all this stuff. You do. Or, or things that you didn't know much about. Like, for example, college football. Right? Okay. Do you remember as a kid, like, you'd flip by college football and you'd be like, what even is this? Like, why are there 100,000 people watching this? Yeah, for sure. Do you know what I mean? I, hey, that's kind of what I was getting at because – Every streaming service has an algorithm built into it where what do you get at the bottom of the screen? Recommended for you. Yeah, yeah. So everything's tailored to what you already either know or like. Mm-hmm. How are you ever going to get outside your comfort zone or get outside? Like, it, honestly, I will have sat there back in the day and just watched something. I'm like, I don't even know why I'm watching this. <laughs> I don't. And the Olympics is a perfect example of that because all it is is this endless content machine. Mm-hmm. And, Where, the, and and the companies like uh, you know like NBC, not just because we used to work there, but they would do a really good job of storytelling. That's the whole telling yeah. you yeah. why you should be interested in this. Mm-hmm. And then at times, like you find yourself like, I'm so emotional about this person that I'd never known about three days before. Mm. He just won the moguls, and that was his dream growing up in yeah. Austria. All he ever wanted to do was break dance at the Olympics. <laughs> now. He's he gets to it. do it. You, you joke, He's but I will it. be into that. That'll be fun. That's a thing. I think it's is it? It's not this. this okay, yeah, so, it is, is it Paris? Is yeah. it? Yeah. Well, oh, Paris. Yeah, right. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, that that'll probably be the best sport to watch of all of them. That'll be the number one sport. Well, I'm I'm not gonna lie. We had a good chuckle at it when it was announced, mm-hmm. but I I'm gonna be intrigued. I just want to see what it looks like. Yeah. Competitive, judged. I want to see competitive. Like, what are the fundamentals behind the judging? Yeah. Does I, everyone have to do, like, a moonwalk type of move? The play-by-play or... guys breaking it all down. These are all the various moves you have to pull off. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> I did the moonwalk. I took breakdancing lessons at the Carisdale Community Center, and I wore my parachute pants. Uh, that's... Why are you just throwing this in at honestly, the end of a segment before we have to honestly, go Honestly, Matt, it was last week. My... <laughs> <laughs> they threw me out. One final, hour, one final hour to go. You're listening to the Halford and Brough Show on Sportsnet 650.